hiding at the back because I need three volunteers. Who thinks they'd like to volunteer? Otherwise, I'll start picking the adults and that might not be quite as good. <sighs> I'm getting adults volunteered. Come on. It, it's fa fairly safe, but I don't think my, my little boy's quite big enough for this yet. <laughs> Is Emmy going to come and do it? <laughs> oh, dear. Otherwise, I am going to have to start picking people. <laughs> it's a problem with being the vicar's children. You get volunteered for most things. Oh, I'm going to have to pick some people then, aren't I? Right, Sarah. <laughs> Yeah, you can come. <laughs> if you sit near the front, you can come. Who else thinks they... I'm not picking people that are pointed. Oh, I've got a hand here. Come on, have you come? Oh, I've, I've got bonus volunteers. Should we, should we let Sarah off the hook then? Right. And we need some props. So, what have we got prop-wise? We need a king saw. It's all right. It's safe. <laughs> you get, you, at this stage, you're not the bad guy. It's fine. Okay. You need someone to be Jonathan. Who wants to be Jonathan? Go on. You can be Jonathan. So you get to, to hold all the props. And Emmy, you get to be David. Now, we did think about having a prop for you. And given what has just happened in the story before this... It would have been quite a gory prop, so we've let you off. Okay. So, so do you want to go and stand over there? Do you want to go and stand with John for a minute? Oh, looking good, looking good. Right, do you want to stand over here as well for a minute? Okay. Yeah, you... you we can record the right way around. Hold that in. It's a bit safer, I think. Right. So we're going to have a little bit of a look at the Bible reading from today, and we're going to act it out. So the people of Israel had been at war with the Philistines for a long time, and honestly, it wasn't going very well. They thought they were beaten. They were afraid, and they didn't trust God. Then, one amazing day, a young boy called David, give us a wave, David, Go on, Emmy. Wait, wave everyone. You're David. Okay. Not even a soldier in the army, just a shepherd boy. This David took on the terrible Philistine giant Goliath, and he killed him. Yay! Israel was victorious. And David, this is where it would have been a bit gory, went to see Saul. So, David, do you want to go over and see Saul? And David would have taken Goliath's head with him, but we thought that was probably pushing it a bit for a Sunday morning. So, David bowed to Saul. Lovely. And Saul asked David to tell him a bit about himself. So, he was going to get a big reward for killing the giant. And David told Saul he was the youngest son of Jesse from the tribe of Judah, and he looked after sheep. Now, while Saul was speaking to David, his son Jonathan, this is Saul's son Jonathan, went over to listen. Do you want to go over and listen? And Saul introduced 
David and Jonathan to each other. Do you want to wave to each other and say hi? <laughs> Probably not waving the sword. Now, Jonathan was immediately impressed with David as he talked. And quickly, the two of them became good friends. Do you want to show that you're good friends? Maybe a bit of a high five or a bit of a hug? Probably not with the swords. <laughs> high five. Great. And to show how serious Jonathan was about his friendship to David, he made some promises. And he gave him some gifts. He gave him his sword. So can you give David your sword? And his shield. And the rest of his armor. And his royal robe to show how good friends they were. beautiful. And from this point on, David was taken into the king's royal house. And David and Jonathan stayed really good friends. And God used that friendship to help fulfill the plans he had for David's life. Well done. Should we give him a round of applause? Well done. Nah, they were great, weren't they? But I'm going to need another volunteer, and this volunteer is a very, very, very good job. Who, who's going to be my volunteer? I'm not picking people that you volunteer on. <laughs> it, it's a great job, this one. Oh, come on, Emmy, since it's your birthday. Come here. You, you'll be quite good at this, because I've got something for you. Ooh, is that exciting? How, <laughs> how does it make you feel to get a present? Happy? Anything else? Oh, just, just happy. How else do you think Emmy might feel getting a present? Anyone got any ideas? Audience participation required at this Thankful? Sorry, thankful. I should have the mic for that bit. Any other? Excited? Surprised? Said so you're in for a good one for this one. Anything else? What, what was that? I heard one. Special. All sorts of really good things, aren't they? Did you feel all those things? Yeah. Now, if you wanted to make other people feel like that, what could you do? You could give them presents. So do you think it would be a nice idea to share what's in that box with everyone whilst I keep talking? Do you want to go and give them out to everyone then? Make sure you get at least one for yourself as well, though. Okay. Hope, I don't know if there's enough chocolates to make it at the back, so if you sat at the back, um, more for you on this occasion. <laughs> so today's Bible story had two main characters in it. It had David and it had Jonathan. Now, David is a character in the Bible that we know quite a lot about. There's quite a lot in the Old Testament written about him. But this bit happens really, really early on in David's story. And at this point, David's quite overlooked. He seems a bit of a nobody. He's sent out into the fields, and he spends most of his time 
looking after sheep, which I have to say doesn't sound overly inspiring. And a couple of chapters before the bit we're looking at, Samuel comes along and he's looking for who's going to be the next king. And Jesse, David's dad, pulls all of David's brothers and shows them to Samuel. And Samuel looks at them and goes, nope, none of them are going to be king. Have you got anyone else? And at that point, Jesse kind of goes, oh, yeah, there's David in the field. Um, Shall I go and get him? Kind of thing. And we know the story of David and Goliath. David comes along, kills Goliath with just his slingshot. But the only reason that David was in, had gone that day was because he'd been sent by his dad to go and take some bread to his brothers, who were probably getting a bit hungry. He wasn't meant to be there, apart from doing a really, really boring job. Jonathan, on the other hand, was the king's son. He'd have been really privileged. He'd have had the best of absolutely everything. He'd have had really good food, armor. If he'd been around today, he'd have probably had the fastest car you can think of, the best iPhone, the best computer console, anything he could have wanted. Now, if you think about it, David and Jonathan were in really, really different life situations. Jonathan, privileged, whereas David, quite often overlooked. But when David came to talk to Saul, Jonathan saw something in him. And he chose to become friends with David. And he really, really, really cared about David and wanted the best for him. And that was really important later on in helping fulfill God's plans for David. But we're not going to look that far. But how did Jonathan show that he cared about David? Anyone remember? Or are we too engrossed with a bit of drama that's going on? How, how did he show? He gave, he gave him really precious things, didn't he? He gave him gifts. So how does that apply to us? So firstly, we are sons and daughters of a king. We have a heavenly dad who loves us and wants to give us good things. Some of those things are talents we're born with. Some of those things are gifts that we're given. We might have money. We might have the ability to make money. We might have time. We might have the ability to play football. We might be good at seeing if people are sad and then making them feel happy. And we get to be like Jonathan. We get to choose to share those gifts with the people around us. And we can do that as a way of showing how much God loves them. Now, at the beginning of this talk, I gave Emmy a box of chocolates that's hopefully been spread around quite well. Now, Emmy could have chosen... Oh, she's still going with it. Excellent. Emmy could have chosen to have those chocolates for herself. She could have chosen to sit there during the sermon and eat them and enjoy them herself. But what she's actually choosing to do is to share them so that other people can enjoy them as well. 
and to spread the gifts that she's been given. Now, I don't know about you, but I find it hard to share stuff. Who, who finds it hard to share the stuff they've been given? Yep. I guess my big worry is I've only got a certain amount of things. I've only got a certain amount of time. I've only got a certain amount of money. I've only got this that I can do. And if I start to give it away to people, then it's going to run out. And then there won't be anything left for me. But I'm going to illustrate this. Hopefully it's going to work, and hopefully I'm not going to drop everything. So I've got a jug with some water in it. Everyone see the water? You see the water? There's only... Can we see the water? Can come a bit closer? Okay, everyone. <laughs> Sarah's getting a bit worried. Okay. Now, that water represents the things that we are given by God. Now, we could think of it like this. That if we pour out the water, the jug empties, and it's gone. Nothing left. The thing is... God loves us. God cares about us, and he wants to give us good things. And what that means is when we come back to him, he fills us up again, so we've got more to give to other people. And it doesn't just happen once. It happens again. And as we keep coming back to him, it keeps happening. I could do that for quite a while, but I'm not going to. But what I want you to think about, and the main point I want you to take away, is that God gives us really good things. And he wants us, and we can choose to, share those things with those around us as a way of showing God's love. I think Caroline's going to tell us what we're going to do next. Great. So, as Caroline has said, we're starting a new series on blessed to be a blessing, looking at all the different ways that God has blessed us and how we get to give that away. You guys all feel really far away now. If you would like to come and be nearer me, I would enjoy that. Please. I feel quite lonely. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. So yeah, we're going to look at all the different ways that God has blessed us and how we get to give that away. And I I don't think God gives us things specifically so that we have to give them away. He, He gives for the sake of giving. He gives because he loves us. But we get to give things away. So like with Emmy and her box of chocolates... She could, she could have eaten them all herself. That could have been hers. She would have had a lovely time. But she shared the chocolates. And so the gift and the joy was multiplied across the community. Or Tom, when he's leading us in worship, he could stay in his bedroom and worship the Lord. And that would still bring glory and honor to God. But as it is, Tom chooses to come here and he chooses to lead us in worship as a whole community And our worship is multiplied across each of the people here. We get to journey together in community with our blessing. So the first thing we're looking at is relationships. What does it mean to be blessed to be a blessing in this area? So if we have another look at our Bible story for today, 
Um, I'm going to read it again. So it was Samuel 18. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. Whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. So for such a short passage, we've got quite a lot of people. There's quite a lot going on. So let's check that we know who they all are. So we have King Saul. He was the first and the current king of Israel. We have Jonathan, who was Saul's son. We have David, Jonathan's friend, and the anointed future king of Israel. And then we have Saul's troops and his officers. Saul's army, of which David was a part. So there's a lot of different relational things going on there. So I thought it might be helpful for us to map them out and see what's going on. So first we have Saul. And he is the king. And then his son is Jonathan. Who is friends with David. who is in the army with all the officers and the troops. And this is Saul's army. So he's in there. And then Jonathan is also in the army. So there's a whole lot of relationship. And there's a whole lot of relationship here. So we have a family relationship between Saul and Jonathan. We have Jonathan, whose best friend is David. We have Jonathan, who cares so much for David that he gives to him everything that he can. And then because David had just saved Israel from Goliath and the Philistines, Saul kept David and put him in the army. David's presence in the army brought victory, which was then a blessing to both Saul and to the officers and the soldiers. So there's relationship all over the place and there is blessing all over the place too. One of the things said of David is that he is a man after God's own heart. He carries the favor and the blessing of God everywhere he goes. And I think this plays out in the New Testament as well. Jesus has a cohort of disciples that he travels with and teaches. They're his friends. And the blessing they walked in was seeing the ministry of Jesus firsthand. They saw the miracles he did. They learned from him. They learned from him how to pray. They learned how to do all the things that we're trying to work out as disciples do. We're trying to follow Jesus and the disciples got to do that firsthand. And then beyond that relationship, Jesus was in relationship with his father. His father loved him so, so much. Jesus only did what he saw his father doing. He walked in step with the father. And in doing so, he brought some of heaven to earth everywhere he went. But how does this play out for us today in our everyday walking around lives? What does it look like to have relationships and be a blessing in that place? The best blessing that we ever have to give away is Jesus himself. We're in an out term now, so I wanted to think about relationships and mission and how this all fits together as a coherent whole. So in John chapter 17, verses 13 to 19, Jesus says this. 
I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Jesus prays that we would have the full measure of his joy within us. And if that's not a blessing, I don't really know what is. Or in Matthew 28, Jesus says that where two or three are gathered in his name, he is there too. So as individuals, we get to carry the joy of Jesus. And as a community, we get to hold and host his presence. We walk in such blessing. My feeling is that as as the body of Christ, as a family, we know how to do relationship quite well. This particular community, we we know how to look after each other. I could tell you story after story of being looked after by this church family or by other um, Christian communities that I've been part of. Stories of being prayed for and cooked for and offered places to live or on the other side, stories where I've shown up for people when they've needed something or they've needed someone. And I'm almost certain that you'll have stories of your own around this as well. I think the trickier bit for us might be when we come to people who don't know Jesus yet. I think this is where it becomes a little bit more sticky. As Jesus said in, his pas- in the passage from John 17, I have given them your word and the world has hated them. To some, we will be the aroma of death. That is something that Jesus tells us to expect. We will be rejected and even hated, even where we want to be a blessing, where we want to bring joy and light and relationship. Sometimes it won't work and that's hard. That's hard to walk in. But to other people, to our people of peace, to people who are hungry and ready for the good news of Jesus, it will be the aroma of life. It will be bringers of hope. As followers of Jesus, we don't quite fit in this world. We have a different value system because our focus is on the kingdom of God. The world that we live in won't feel quite safe or comfortable. But the truth is that we are safe because Jesus prayed for us that we would be safe from the evil one. He also prays that we will not be taken out of the world. He's sending us into it. He doesn't want us to hide in cozy little silos. He's sending us out to the people who need him. We are so good at family, and that is a blessing that we get to give away. But we need to do this on purpose. It doesn't happen by accident. We need to notice what we're doing and who we're spending time with. Difficult to bring people to Jesus when all the people that you spend time with are Christians already. For me, I work for a church. I live in a vicarage. I did a Christian gap year. I spent three years or so working for Christian charities and businesses. Many, many of my friends are Christians. And in some ways, that is a gift and a blessing and a really important part of life but it's also not going to see anyone new coming into the kingdom. I would say at the moment that at least 92% of my time is spent with Christians. And to change that, I need to start paying attention to the relational connections that I have. 
So on Thursday, for example, our missional community, we're talking about ways that we can mix up with each other's friends and shift the blessing of Jesus and community outwards so that we're not hoarding it for ourselves. And our main conclusion was that more parties would be a really good idea. (laughs) We get to have fun with this. It's not a hard and onerous task. Family is a gift that we have, and we can welcome people in, and we can go out and bring hope to places that are dark. So shortly, I'm going to ask us to do an exercise in recognizing our relationships by drawing out a relational network diagram. Um, Caroline, would you mind rubbing that one for me? Thank you. Um, So yeah, I've got pens and paper that I will give out in a little bit. Um, But I will do an example on the board. So if I put me in the middle, there's me, lovely. And relations, re- relations that I have would be, say, my family. Um, and so I've got my mum and my dad, sister, my brother, and his wife and her partner. So this is one little bit of my relational network. And in this, my sister's partner doesn't know Jesus yet. Or another relationship that I have is with Dave. And he has frisbee friends. And he has work friends. And again, many of these people don't know Jesus yet. So if I really intentionally map out all the different areas of my life, I can see where are the people who still need Jesus? Where are the people who still need love? We can start to notice who these people are and maybe choose three or five or a number and start to pray for them. We can pray that God would bless them. We can pray for ourselves that God would give us an opportunity to show up and be a blessing We can ask God, what is the next step here? I think we get a bit scared of of mission, of telling people about Jesus. But we don't do this alone. We do this with Jesus. We do this in community. There's something really cool about allowing our friends who don't know Jesus yet to encounter us as a community. Because if we're gathered and the presence of Jesus is with us, and then we invite someone else to come and hang out with us and go for a beer, Jesus is still there. He's in the mix. He's bringing change. He's bringing transformation. And we get to have fun. We get to just do things together, like have a barbecue, have a picnic. One of the things I'm really excited about for our wedding is that we get to mix all of the people that we know, and it's slightly terrifying, but it's also really cool that... (laughs) Jesus will be there on the day that we get married. And so will all the people that we love, especially the ones who don't know Jesus yet. They might get to meet him that day. And that will be such a gift. So introverts, you can do this exercise by yourselves. Extroverts, if you would like to discuss it, then please feel free and released to do that. You might even want to then bring this little map 
next time you gather with your missional community and you can compare lists and start to think, how can we do this? What can we do this summer? When can we have a barbecue? When can we all hang out and have fun? We're blessed to be a blessing in our relationships because of Jesus. It's as simple as that. So I will leave you to have a look at your relational networks. Start to look for the people who don't know Jesus yet.